0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. There was a lady who was a frequent business traveler. Got her seat on the plane, sat in first class, sat right next to a very uh, prosperous-looking man. They exchanged pleasantries, and then she began to get her stuff out for this long flight, and she got her earphones and her pillow. And then she brought out her Bible and uh, laid beside her, and and the the man looked at it and kind of scoffed. He said... (laughs) He said, you believe that thing? And she looked him dead in the eye. She said, every word. He said, you mean you believe all that stuff about Noah and the ark and Moses and the Red Sea? She said, every word. He said, what about that story about Jonah? I mean, how in the world could a man live in the belly of a whale? I mean, that's just an impossibility. How in the world could he do that? she looked at him, she said, well, I don't know, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. And he smirked and said, what if he's not there? And she smiled back and said, well, then you can ask him. You know, I uh, I don't know about her method, but I sure admire her confidence and her boldness. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about confidence. And not just confidence, but I want to talk about an ingredient in confidence that makes such a difference. An ingredient that really is like like a secret ingredient to having confidence, a confidence in God. Confidence means a state of hopefulness that, that events will turn out favorably. It's a, it's a hopefulness, a, 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 an expectation. It's a sense of trust in someone. And you hear a lot about confidence here. In fact, there's many articles. Just go look up how to build self-confidence. Confidence in yourself. I, I saw three that were interesting. One of them said this. "It said, if you want to build self-confidence, it said, act positive. Now that's interesting. So and <laughs> it said whether you felt positive, it said, act positive. And what you find is that that you can act your way into feeling more than you can feel your way into acting. So just go ahead and act positive. They said, talk to people in a positive way. Another thing is to increase your your competency. They said, practice and learning and experience can help you gain confidence. The third one, and I think this guy had a list of 25, but the third one was interesting. The third one, he just simply said, stand up tall. Now you'll actually hear that in almost all the lists. They will tell you to stand up tall. If you're going to be confident, you're going to act confident. You're going to look confident. I remember taking a course years ago when I, right before I went into um, to high school, it was a study course. And one of the things they told me is every time you go to take a big test, dress up. They said, wear, don't wear slouchy clothes, wear, wear nice clothes, clothes you like, clothes you feel good in. He said, when you feel good, you do good. So all of these things are talking about confidence. And you know, it's interesting that the writer of the Hebrews who was writing to a church who was undergoing a lot of persecution, he wrote to them about confidence. And he said this in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse 35, he said, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. He said, don't throw it away. You know, anything that's valuable, you do not want to throw away. He said, don't cast away your confidence. It has a great reward. And that means that it, your confidence and your confidence in God. You say, well, how wh- don't have confidence in God. Your connection to God is going to be the key to your confidence in God. That's why this message is called Connected and Confident. Now just think about it just for a second. I, I, I did sales for a while, so I, I made what was called cold calls. I did that for the first 15 years of, of my career coming out of college, but I can remember back In the 70s, I actually was a teenager in the 70s. It was a wonderful decade, but it was very different from now. There was no internet. There were no cell phones. If you wanted to ask a girl out, you actually had to call her. And typically you had to call her home. And oftentimes you would get her father. And I mean, it's it's sweat bullet time. Girls at that time, at least where I lived in the South, in the 70s, girls, nice girls did not ask guys out. We had to ask them out. And I can remember calling sometimes and I was, man, I was nervous. And you know, my voice would squeak, oh, and especially if I did not know them that well. But it was different if I'd already done some, what I call pre-qualifying. I'd already talked to her friends. I'd already kind of checked around and already found out from a friend who knew her that says, yes, she's very interested in dating you. When I knew they were interested in dating me, it was a whole different call. Then I'm making the call and I'm like, Mr. Smooth. I'm like, hey girl, how are you? Just super smooth. Because I already knew they were interested. Listen, when you know how much God loves you, and how interested he is in you, and what an awesome price he paid to have you as his child, it changes things. It's not the squeaky hello call to God. It's the, hey, Father, how are you? It breeds confidence. I want to tell you a story from the Bible today about a lady who had a lot of confidence in the middle of a crisis. Now, she had a, a major crisis. It's a, this is an Old Testament story. She is from a town called Shunem. In fact, she's referred to often as the Shunemite. She was living in a time when the key religious figure in that day in Israel was a man named Elisha. Now in the Old Testament, a prophet was the closest thing to God you were gonna find. And so this prophet would travel by. Let's, let's read the story here in Kings. It said, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as he often passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food she said to her husband, look, now I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Now, this is interesting. This is, this is something here. Don't, don't look at that and go, okay, so she built an addition. No, no, let, listen. This Shunammite woman had a real heart for God. She saw that, that Elisha was a man of God. She knew he was doing the work of God, that he represented God in Israel at that time. And so she wanted to do something for him. Now, keep in mind that there weren't, there weren't holiday inns and Marriott's or, and things like that around. So people would often have to stay. Maybe they could get a place at an inn, but she was a notable woman. Some translations read she she had some wealth. And so she probably had some good cooks. She was a great place to stay. And she built a whole room for him. And you may now think, well, that's not much, but you, you build an addition to your house. See what that costs you. It still costs something. It's relative, but she invested something in God's man. So Basically, she's saying, I'm investing something in God. And you know, God honored her for that. You can't do something for God like that without him honoring you. And so Elisha asked his assistant, Gehazi I said, well, what does this lady need? In fact, they called her and said, can I talk to the king for you? And she said, no, I'm good. She, she, she did not want anything in return. She just wanted to honor God. She had a heart for God. And, uh, but she did have one need. Gehazi figured out that her husband was old and she had no son. And so through the word of the Lord, Elisha told her, said, uh, next year at this time, you're going to embrace a son. And sure enough, God gave her a miracle boy. Now, right here, the story kind of fast forwards a few years. The little fellow has grown up to the point where he's talking some, still a little guy. And one day he goes out with his father and they're looking at all the the reapers as they're getting in the harvest. And he says to his dad, he says, my head, my head. And his father said, carry the boy to his mother. Look what happens here. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he, the little boy sat on her knees till noon And then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men, one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Now, here you see a lady whose words and her actions indicated that she was someone who was connected to Elisha. She was connected to God. What she did was she took that little boy, when their little boy died, he probably just sat there on her lap with his head on her shoulders and he died. You can imagine if you're a parent or a grandparent, you have little ones, you can imagine the, the anguish. But she very calmly picked him up and she didn't put him in his room. She didn't put him in her room. She put him in Elisha's room, the room that they had built for, for Elisha to honor God. She put him in that room and she shut the door. And then you see that she was distressed. We're gonna find out she was very distressed in her heart. She just lost her, little, her only son, but she was not panicked. Because when she went out to, to, to speak to her husband, she was courteous. She said, uh, please. I mean, I, I'm thinking if that had been me, I'd been, I'd been screaming, bring me somebody. She just said, uh, please, would you send one of the young men in a donkey? And uh, he kind of kicked back on. They said, why are, you, why are you going to the prophet today? It's not a new moon, not a Sabbath. Again, she's real calm. She could have gone, Don't ask me why, just, just do it. She didn't do that. She looked at him and she said something that's so key. She said words that had faith and hope in them. She just looked at him and said, It is well. Well, that's powerful. She didn't freak out. She didn't just launch into the problem. She just said, It is well. Her actions, and her words indicated that she was a woman that was, had a connection, had a connection to God. And then she went to the source and stuck by the source. She went to Elisha's house. And when she got there, we, we see what happens. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God, Elisha said, let her alone for her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. She went and really poured her heart out. She could tell she's in agony, but she poured her heart out to the only one who could help her. She didn't pour her heart out on her husband. She didn't tell Gehazi. She went to Elisha. She, she, she said, you're the one that told me what God was going to do. She said, and I'm coming to you. And then when Elisha sent his servant Gehazi to minister to the child, she would not leave Elisha. She didn't go with Gehazi. She looked looked at Elisha and said, she basically said this, I don't know what's going on where you think you're going, buddy, I'm going with you. And I am not backing off here. And she said, as as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I am going with you. And if you've ever seen a mom who's intent about her child, you know Elisha was a smart man. He got up and said, well, let's go. And as they went back, you know, God actually used Elisha to raise that child from the dead. Oh, listen, guys, I want to tell you something. We got a God that can raise the dead. He can raise dead economies. He can raise dead finances. He can raise dead relationships. He can raise dead things. And he's still raising dead things. And he raised that little boy from the dead. And Elisha had the little fellow there and told Gehazi, I said, call his mom and tell his mom to come pick him up. Now I want you to see this next verse because it gives you an idea of this woman's character and her heart. Here's her child alive. And this is a very small verse. Look what it says. So she went, the mama went in and fell at his feet, Elisha's feet and bowed to the ground. And she picked up her son and went out. I think that in itself is amazing. Your little child has died. Elisha goes in, you're outside. You're not even, you don't even know what's going on. But all of a sudden, Gehazi comes in and says, hey, come on in, you can get your child. You come in and there's a little guy sitting on the edge of the bed. Don't you know, as a parent, your first inclination is to run and grab them, burst into tears and mouth a quick thank you to the prophet as you're walking out the door. And that's not what she did. She went to the prophet first and fell on her face, giving thanks. Such a reverence. Such a heart. She acknowledged him and acknowledged God as the one who had just done something. And she picked up her child and went out. Man, I love that story. This is a woman who had confidence in Elisha. She had confidence in God because she had a connection there. So how do we do that? How can we build a connection that increases our confidence with God in our life. And listen, here's the good news is wherever you are, your confidence in the Lord can go up. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for a few weeks or years, wherever you are, you can always come closer. Maybe you're out there and you're thinking to yourself this morning, you know, I've really kind of been away from God. I've been cold toward him. Listen, you can always come closer. So you can come closer to him. But let me give you some things to do. Here's the first one. You want to have a heart like that Shunammite woman. You want to have a heart for God. You want to have a heart that just acknowledges and honors God. He's not an afterthought. He's not some, someone you only think about on Sunday. It's a heart that acknowledges that God's been good and he's been gracious to you. And you just have a place in your heart for God. And you also have a place to see his kingdom expand. Man, you want to see that happen. Jesus said this in Matthew six thirty three, a very well-known verse. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. you said, man, You have a place in your heart where God's first place in your life. I'm telling you something, God will honor that and bless that. Now listen, you're, you're watching this morning or maybe you're watching sometime later. You've taken time to watch it, that's honoring God. And when we, when we come back together again and we will come back together again, And one day this auditorium can be filled again and we'll be excited about that. But when we take time out of our schedule to come back and go to church that's honoring God that's showing God I got a heart for you. When you volunteer we have hundreds of volunteers every week to make this church happen. When you begin to do that or maybe you serve and expand his kingdom somewhere else what you're saying is God I'm giving you my time I've got a heart for you. When you give your finances and sow seed what you're saying is, God, I'm giving into a kingdom that'll never have an end. It's an eternal kingdom. God, I've got a heart for you. And I'm telling you something, when you do that, when you honor God, this is not a one-way relationship. It's not all going God's way. God honors you. He said, if you'll honor me, I'll honor you and he'll be good to you. And when you know in your heart, Lord, I love you. I got a place for you. It gives you a confidence with God. Have a heart for God. Here's the, here's the next thing you want to do. You want to speak and you want to act like someone who is connected to God. Remember we talked about in self-confidence, they said, act positive, talk positive, stand up straight. They know that even just acting that way helps you. Do you realize that just acting and speaking like someone who's got a relationship with God really helps you? Now you stop and think about it. If you, you, maybe if you didn't know me and you and I went out and had lunch or something together, or we spent some time together, When you left me, having never met me before, the one thing you would know when you left me is, that man's married. Well, why would you know that? Because I act like a married man and I talk like a married man. I wear my ring. I don't hit on the ladies that are coming by. I I don't act like I'm in the market. I'm not in the market. I am taken and happily taken. And I mention my wife and I speak about her in glowing terms. You would get a feeling that this man's married and he loves his wife because I act like, like that and I speak like that. But listen, you've got a connection with God that's powerful. In fact, in, in Corinthians, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and this is what he said. He said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Man, that's, that's, isn't that something? It's our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit whom we have. We're not, even, we're not even our own. We were bought with the price and therefore we can glorify God. He made us and he bought us. We're his. We're connected to him. I read a story a number of years ago about a little boy who built a real beautiful little sailing boat, functional sailing boat. He would take it out on the lake and go sailing. And one day he took it out and he was, he was sailing and a storm came up and the winds blew and he lost control of the boat and, 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 and the, it took off and, and hit a river and he lost it, searched for it, could not find it, broke his heart. But a few weeks later, he was walking in his little town and he walked past a toy store and there in the, in the window of a toy store was his boat. And he ran in, he told the owner, he said, that's my boat, that's my boat. I made that boat. And the owner said, son, I'm sorry, I, that, that boat was sold to me by someone. I, 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 it's, uh, your name's not in it. If you want it, you're going to have to buy it. The little guy went home, and he grabbed all his allowance money and he brought it back and he, and he gave it to the toy shop and he bought his boat back and the owner heard him as he, as he walked out, he was clutching the boat to his chest and he said, you're twice mine. I made you and I bought you back. Can I tell you something, guys? We are twice his. He has made us and he has bought us back. We're his. So would we act like people who are connected to God, instead of panicking, instead of giving in to fear, we begin to resist fear. Because we belong to Him. We're connected. And not only that, but we speak like people who are connected. We speak words of life. I love what the Shunammite woman said. She said, it's well. I mean, you know, you know what, what, what we might say today is? It's going to be alright. How's it going to turn out for you? It's going to be alright. Well, the industry around you is not doing too good. It's going to be alright. God's helping us. It's going to it's going to be all right. John Shibley's a friend and a longtime church member. He, he sent me a text this, this week about, about a, a poem that really the Lord had given him. And it was called In Times Like These. And, and it re- went something, there was a phrase that really stood out to me. He said, in times like these, we all have a choice to speak darkness and death or have a life-giving voice. It's a great poem. And after I read it, I went, I'm not going to read the whole thing. He just flexed all over my poem. So good for you, John. It's, but we're going we're to put it in Facebook. It's a, it's, a great, it's a great poem. But I like that. we got a choice to speak darkness or death or to have a life-giving voice. That's what we want to have is a life-giving voice. It's going to be all right. How are things going to turn out for you? It's going to be alright. God's helping us. God's good to us. What are you doing? You're choosing to speak life and choosing to act like people who are connected to God. I'm telling you, just saying those words will help you. Lord's helping us. It's going to be alright. Say, so how, how, you, how you got this all figured out? I don't have it all figured out. He has it all figured out. I trust him. It's going to be alright. That's how we approach it. That's how we deal with it. My dad... Growing up, my dad was in a had a small business and I, I had such an appreciation for all the small business owners out there. I, I know things can get tight and get interesting. And uh, I would, as, as a teenager, sometimes I'd go up and I'd see my mom and my mother could not ever play poker for a living. She had a face that just... Kind of like mine, just just betrayed all of her emotions, and she looked so worried. And I said, "Mom, what's wrong?" And she's like, "It's the business, and we're not doing. It. She worked with my dad. She's just not doing good. And you know, it's, it's And she would. After I talked to her, I, I was already thinking, "Okay, we're gonna have to sell the house. We're gonna have to go. Listen, I might be homeless for a bit. And I would go downstairs, and I would, I would. My dad had his office downstairs. He, he was a hard worker, and uh, I'd come in. I said, Dad, you know, Dad." Is it going to be okay? And one thing I loved about my dad, he was always an optimist. He said, oh, Alan, i got this deal going and we got this thing going and this thing. And let me tell you something, just after talking to my dad, I felt a world better. Parents, listen, your kids are looking to you for answers. Don't give them the bad news. Don't give them what's going on. Give them what you know in your heart that God's going to help you and somehow you're going to come through this. Just look at them and go, I don't know how, but it's going to be all right. These are words That have life. Here's the here's the third thing: stay connected to our source. Stay connected to Him. You know, in times like these, we need Him. We need Him now, especially because we're undergoing and and dealing with pressure. And by the way, this is a great time to come closer to the Lord. It's times like these, but you know what? These days are going to pass, and things are going to return back to a, a more normal state. But we'll still need him. In the Psalms, the psalmist said this, he said, trust in him at all times, you people pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Listen, we trust in him at all times. That means when times are hard, we trust in him. And when times are good, we trust in him. And I think we, we should have that mentality, the same mentality of that little Shunammite lady, that we just have such a reverence such an appreciation for God, one of the very best ways to stay connected to him is by giving him thanks. Just thanking him for what he's done and how he's helped you so far, how he's going to help you in the future. When you begin to do that, have a heart, you just stay connected to the one who can change things. And what it does is it gives you a sense of confidence. It's going to be all right. Horatio Spafford was a Chicago businessman lost everything in the Chicago fire, 1871, was able to start building things back, but he thought that his wife and his four daughters needed a break. And so he sent them on a boat to England ahead of him. He would follow two weeks later. In a freak accident in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, an English ship rammed the boat, rammed it, the boat where Mrs. Spayford and her four daughters, one of them an infant, were on board. And in 12 minutes, that boat sank. There weren't a lot of survivors, but Mrs. Spafford was one. And when she got back, she sent her husband a very simple telegram that said, survived alone. It was a heart-wrenching night for a man who'd lost four daughters. And as he got on the next ship to go to England, he was in his cabin when it was notified to him that they were approaching the place where his, his wife's ship had gone down and where all four of his daughters lay in the ocean. Horatio Spafford sat in his cabin and penned one of the probably the most famous uh, songs and hymns of all time. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now that's a man but has a connection and a confidence with God. It's not, he's not superhuman. He's just like us. We can have that same connection. We can have that same confidence. If you're here this morning, or you're, you're there watching online and in your heart, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about my relationship with the Lord. I don't know where I stand with him, but I want to be. Or maybe you recognize that you're away from God and you, you know, I have a need to get back. We're going to say a very simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in this prayer, but right there where you are, you can pray this prayer. You can acknowledge that. I think there's places where you can click online. You can say yes to Jesus. This is, that's what, this is where confidence begins. It's a confidence to knowing that you and the Lord are right and that your eternal destiny is settled. That is the baseline for confidence. So if that's you, please click that button, but pray this prayer with us. Bow your head and just pray it out loud. I'm going to pray it with you. Pray it slow enough so you'll be able to pray. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who restores me and forgives me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Those heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer for those who made a decision to come to you for the very first time or come back to you. What a marvelous day. Heaven rejoices. We rejoice with them. And Father, I thank you for those who are listening, those who know you, those who have a relationship with you. Thank you that their connection with you and their confidence in you can grow. Father, thank you that all of us can say, it is well, it's all right with my soul. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.